0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, everyone. So my prayer for this morning has been that we catch God's heart this morning. There's something specific that is so deeply entrenched in God's heart that I really, that's been my prayer, that we catch His heart this morning you've been here for the past few weeks we've been going on a journey of maturity and i'm going to read the, the scripture from hebrews chapter 5 which is in our starting point so hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 to 6 verses 3 if you want to turn there hebrews five twelve to 6 3. so i'll read from uh, yeah from verse 12 so it says for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who, their, who have by their powers of discernment trained by constant practice in distinguishing good from evil. Therefore, let us Leave the elementary disciplines of Christ and go into maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and the instruction of washings or baptisms, as some of the other translations say, and laying on of hands and the resurrection from the dead. And this we will do if God permits. So this morning, I'm going to deal with some parts of maturity. Some of the comments I'm going to make this morning, I will back them up with Scripture but it might leave you feeling a little uncomfortable. They leave me a little uncomfortable when I first kind of, when, when God first highlighted them, I was like, really? But hear, hear what God's saying. I'm going to back up everything with Scripture, and I can guarantee you're going to be uncomfortable with what I'm saying. I'm guaranteeing it. So the reason my prayer is that we catch God's heart is today, I'm talking about maturity in going, maturity in making disciples. So now before you turn off and think, okay, this is for the evangelists, It is not for the evangelists. And as I go through, you'll see why I say that. So please pay attention to what God's saying this morning. Pay attention to what He's calling us to do. So if you want to turn, the the first place we have to start is Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 18 through to 23. Sorry, 18 to 20. Uh, Is that clock at the back there working? It is. Yes, Good. And it says there, so Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and he spent 40 days with his disciples, and he's about to go back to heaven, and he says this to them. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, always. Till the very end of the age. His starting point, he's leaving, and his, some of his final words is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So, what's a disciple? Well, a disciple is fairly the, the original word basically means a pupil or a learner. So, kind of remember when you were in school and you sat listening to the teacher, except that teacher is probably a little bit better. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, but that's what a disciple is. Think about the disciples around G, with Jesus. That's what they did. They walked with him, they spent time with him, and they learned. They were disciples, they were learners. So that's the starting point. And then he goes forward. Let's if you flip forward to Acts chapter 1, verses 8, says a similar thing. Uses a slightly different word, but he's getting the same message across. Acts 1, verses 8 says, But you will receive power. So backdrop, he's gone, he's telling this, uh, the disciples, go into Jerusalem, uh, wait for, for the promise of the Holy Spirit, because he's promised this. And he says, now he's that he says to them, Go. But but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, different word, witnesses, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. So he says, firstly, he says, go make disciples. And now he says, go and you will be my witnesses. A witness is someone who testifies or gives an account of. So we go and testify and give an account of something in order to make witnesses. That's what I see in scripture. So now let's get to the, I, I want to give a quick, I do like history a little bit. Uh, I never took it at school, but I've learned to enjoy it a bit more as I got older. So I asked eight people to help me. If those eight people can come up, just to hold a piece of paper. And I'm going to take us through a quick history line, and I am going to get them to, if you can just line up in front here. And the, 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 it's an A4 page, so you won't be able to see at the back what it says, but they will be up there. But I need the line drawn so that you can see it. okay? So, first one. In 4 BC, sorry, four, somewhere between 4 and 6 BC, there's the, most people believe that Jesus was born, okay? So, it wasn't on 0 AD or 0. It was slightly before, just after uh, Herod, it was Herod, eh? Died. Yes, just make sure I got the right name there. Um, yeah. So, so, just before he, he was born, okay? Most people seem to believe his ministry or prior to ministry was about 30 years. And the reason for that is is most Jewish teachers only start their ministry after about 30 years. And they believe his ministry itself was roughly three years. Which would mean in roughly AD 30 was the crucifixion. Okay? And the crucifixion happened at Passover. So it should be up there. Happened at Passover. Then after passover roughly 50 days after passover something another feast that's called the feast of weeks happens so my from what i can see i've heard i've read a number of different people giving different dates my thinking and what i can see is that actually in the same year the holy Spirit came some people have suggested it's different years i don't see that for a couple of reasons one is that jesus says go and wait for the gift of the holy spirit which will come shortly in a few days is the words the bible actually says so in acts chapter one Pentecost happens, Holy Spirit comes, and um, yeah, it's around the Feast of Weeks. That's also important because a lot of people would have been in, in Jerusalem at that time because of the Feast of Weeks, hence why people said in the in Acts chapter 2, street the first major street ministry, okay? So happens, 3,000 people added together, added to the number. So lots of people were in Jerusalem, Holy Spirit comes, um... People hear the disciples speaking in their own language, and it uses this wonderful term. It says, speaking of the wonders of God. I love that, what they were speaking of. they were speaking of the wonders of God. And what happens is, they have this major street ministry in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were added to the number, okay? Well, it says about. So, um, Acts chapter 3, mine says Acts chapter 3, uh, or to Acts chapter 6, it should be Acts chapter 5, but We'll give, sorry, my apologies. So basically what happens is there's teaching in the temple. Let me quickly go through some, some top, some headings in my Bible. So you can understand, I've said their temple teaching. is the easiest way to sum up what happened. Um, and the church continues to grow. So if I go from Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go and they heal the layman. And they then give this big testimony and this big speech about Jesus and about who he was. And people come to know God. Um, because they get they ended up going before the council then they get released Um, then there's a wonderful story about all the disciples having everything in common Barnabas sells a piece of land and says well I've sold this piece of land please use the money for the good of the church for whatever whatever God's doing Ananias and Sapphira then come in sorry for the swinging of the mic Um, Ananias and Sapphira come in and they try and do the same thing except they just kind of lie a little bit and they both get struck down dead because they were lied to the Holy Spirit (laughs) that's what it says. Um, and then continued, many signs and wonders. I'm in Acts chapter 5 now. I'm just briefly going through it. Many signs and wonders were done. Apostles arrested again. And uh, then in Acts chapter 6, let me stop there actually, before, because I need the next page. So that's, that's basically a brief history of what happens there um, in those chapters. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Important. Deacons are chosen. So what happens is the, the Hebrew speaking um, women come to the apostles and say, guys, we feel like we're being, in sorry, Greek speaking, sorry, not Hebrew speaking, Greek speaking. Thank you. The Greek speaking come and say, we, we kind of feel like we're being neglected a little bit. The the Jewish, Jew, Jewish ladies are getting a, uh, a little bit more attention than us from a food perspective and the disciples say, it's not good that we should do this. We should be focused on prayer and uh, the word of God. So they appoint deacons. Okay, and I want to just specifically look at Acts chapter 6 verse 7. It's an important scripture. And the the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And great many priests became obedient to the faith. So, the church continued to grow. Acts chapter 6 is the next section. 6 verses 8 to 7 verse 60. Stephen is stoned. So basically, Stephen now starts to do wonderful signs and wonders. <laughs> don't worry, I, I won't, we're not going to act this out, don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't ask him to stand in this order, so it's their fault, Steve, that are standing there. <laughs> um, so, so Stephen is, is stoned. He basically does wonders and signs and wonders through the Holy Spirit. And the the guy's are unhappy with him. Uh Basically, they take him out of the city after he gives us wonderful testimony of God, excuse me, of God, and they stone him. And it says that Saul, who later became Paul, was standing there approving. And that happened in AD 35. And then Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says, let's read it. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says, and uh, Saul approved of his execution, Stephen's execution. Um, Is any Pauls here? Do you want to come stand behind Steve? No, no, just joking, just joking. And there arose, that, on that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And I'll read the rest of it just now. You can read it now then. Did you pick it up? Have you picked up something here? Should I really reverse? What year is this? 80, 30, it says it. Okay. Pentecost came, Holy Spirit comes. Jesus says, you will receive the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in AD 13 he says witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth where did this happen Jerusalem where did this happen where did this happen how many years later five years my first comment today that might leave you uncomfortable the church did a lot of really good things in the early church and I'm not denying any of that but in five years, they did not follow God's instruction to go. Someone made the comment, if we don't act one 1-8, God will x 8 8-1. God's called us to go. Every single one of us. Thank you, guys. You can just drop on the floor. The reality is... He's called us to go in different, in different perspectives. Some people to Jerusalem, some to Judea, some to Samaria, some to the ends of the world. He's, but he's called us to go. And he's called us to go make disciples. He says, or, or uh, when Saul was, was rejected as king, Samuel goes to him and says that, he's speaking on God's behalf and says that God desires obedience a sacrifice. was prayed in the prayer meeting this morning. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 19. If you read in the ESV, it says mercy. God desires mercy and not sacrifice. But it's the root word is obedience. God desires obedience and not sacrifice. You see, sometimes we'll be facing difficult situations because of disobedience. I'm not suggesting that's the case in every single time. Because if you think about Job, he didn't do anything wrong. But yet God was allowed something to happen. So that's not what I'm saying. So please don't mishear me this one. What I'm saying is God's told us to go. God told the early church to go. That in five years, they, we don't read about them going. And God allowed persecution to arise. And the rest of that scripture that I didn't read says this. Remember Acts 1.8? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Acts 8.1. And they were scattered throughout the regions of... Who knew? Judah and Sumeria. So he started this thing of people going. Are we going? Are we going? We're we making disciples. But the next thing we need to understand because, well, God said, let's make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? Because you, if you just hear this, you're going to assume I'm saying, okay, we must all go to the ends of the world. We, we got a trip coming up to India. Everyone needs to go to India because that's also not what I'm saying. So what am I saying? Well, let's look at a brief. What, what does it mean to make an, uh, a disciple? Okay. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 8. Let's quickly turn there. I'm going to just read verse 8 in a moment. But basically, let me give you a, yeah, 1 Corinthians 3. Let me just get there, and then I'll give you a backdrop. There's a number of people who are, they are kind of saying, different Different people in the church are saying, oh, but I, I follow Apollos, and someone else says, I follow, follow Paul, and Paul says, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? One plants, another waters, but the Spirit makes it grow. So the first step into, into making apostles, sorry, not apostles, making disciples, is that, Someone needs to plant. There's a seed for my grass. This doesn't look that good. Someone needs to plant. Someone needs to water. Step number one. I forgot the one thing in the car. That's fine. Can, you'll just have to think about it just now. I've just realized I forgot something in the car. Anyway, so, so what does it mean to plant and water? It means that... You're at work, and someone's going through a tough situation. I remembered it. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) I just forgot it at the back, not in the car. (laughs) Anyway, um, so so it means someone's at work is struggling, and you have one word of encouragement for them. That doesn't mean they're necessarily saved. That doesn't mean they necessarily come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, but there's a seed planted because your testimony speaks about Jesus. You drive past someone along the side of the road, and they, you can see they're obviously struggling in the middle of winter, and they have nothing, and you give them a jersey. It's a seed planting. You give them the jersey. You know what? Jesus loves you. Leave it there. Why? You've planted a seed in that person's heart. You might have, maybe someone else did it before you, and you've done it now. So you, what, what are you doing now? You're starting to water. You see, we, 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 this thing of going, we often make into this very big thing. Now, God's called us to go to multiple places. But Starting to go is a really easy thing. When you drive past someone on the side of the road who has no food and you give them an apple because you happen to have one in your car and you say, you know what? Jesus loves you. I really felt Jesus wants me to give this to you. There's a seed being planted. When you have people at work going through difficult times and it's simple, can I pray for you? Important, can I pray? And you pray in the name of Jesus is an important aspect to that because they need to know who we live for and who we serve. That's planting a seed in watering. Then what happens is there comes a call. I didn't have a megaphone, but I do have a microphone. So there comes a call. And think about some of the calls that happened in the Bible. Think about in Matthew chapter 9 verses 9 to 13 where Matthew was called. But Jesus said, come and follow me. Think about the... In Mark, I just want to get the scriptures right as well. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, where Simon and Andrew, James and John, all fishermen were called. Jesus came to them and he gave them a call. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What about Paul on the road to Damascus where the the light shone and Jesus spoke to him and said, come and follow me, you're persecuting me. Go and and you're going to now start to spread my word. There was a call. What we often do is when we, when we read Scripture, because I know I did this, when we read Scripture and we read, go and make disciples, our minds immediately think of this, the call. And we say, oh, I'm not an evangelist. Because you know what? Evangelists play majority here. Let's be honest, they do, and they're really good at that. And that's okay. It doesn't mean no one else must ever do that. It just means that's their strength. But there's a whole nother road, which I'm going to get to the rest of now, of making disciples. This is one aspect of it. Only one aspect. This call and the evangelist role is only one aspect. Because the next thing, the call happens and obviously someone accepts the call. And now the one that I forgot. You can't see it, but it's a little plant. When you accept the call, growth starts. Holy Spirit begins to grow. And as that growth starts, it's nurtured, and certain things are in place, and that continues to grow. And as it continues to grow, we start to bear fruit. This, from from what I see in Scripture, this, from here through to bearing fruit, is what it means to make disciples. Not there. Not just here. So when I'm speaking this morning, I'm saying the road to discipleship, what does it look like? Where are you discipling someone? Understand that if you have a major role with people in this space here, and you're walking a road with people who are already saved, you are making disciples. Don't get me wrong. That is an aspect of it. That is a part of it. As a church, when we send people to Zimbabwe, most of our time is spent in the church. Yes, we go out as well, but most of our time is spent in the church. Why? Because we're making disciples in that context. It's part of making disciples. In terms of bearing fruit, can I read two two scriptures? Romans chapter 7. I didn't read that one scripture from earlier. It's fine. Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who is, raised, who is raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit to God. In order that we may bear fruit to God, we should be bearing fruit. We should be encouraging and enabling others to bear fruit by the road we walk with them. Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of Him, uh, the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so, that, so, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. So there's this road we're walking. this thing of making disciples. So some keys and some handles to going. Okay? I want to talk through one or two one or two things. Turn to Acts chapter four verses thirteen. A great scripture, actually. And it says, "And now," so, so the, the the backdrop again. We are now jumping back to where Peter and John had healed the man at the temple, and the they were kind of before the Sanhedrin and the council. And this is what the the, the council say about them. It says, "And now, when they, the council, saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated." common men, thank you, Lord, for using people like me, <laughs> because I feel like that most of the time, if I'm honest, they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. The Bible says that in our weakness, He is made strong. In our going, if we relying on ourselves, if we're relying on what we can achieve, people will not look at us and know that we've been with Jesus. And then the question is, where are we pointing? Are we pointing to Him? Or are we pointing to ourselves? So my question, as well, in in line of this, we heard a testimony this morning, a fantastic testimony. Two years sick, and God came through. What is your testimony? What is my testimony? My live, active testimony now that I can speak of that's happened recently. I can tell you things that I've seen in the past. I can tell you things that happened to me in the past. But what is God doing through and with me now that I can testify? of? Remember, uh, creating disciples, or sorry, being a witness is to record or give a testimony. So what are you giving a testimony about? What can we? Can we do something? We have one this morning, which is fantastic. You can go and you can say to someone, this is what God did for me. And we can see his wonders. Isn't that what the disciples preached on, as we read earlier? They preached, they spoke of the wonders of God. What everyone's hearing in different languages, disciples have no idea what they're saying, but they're saying the wonders of God. That's what God allowed them and enabled them to speak. Do we have a testimony, a current testimony that allows us to speak of the wonders of God. And within that, are you dreaming for extravagant testimonies? Fantastic. We should all be. We should all have this. If we can do it, it's not extravagant. If we're able to do it, it's not God. If we are are trusting God for something beyond what we can do, it is clearly a God thing when it comes through and when it happens. And that's what we should be trusting God for. I said earlier about in our weakness, God, uh, He is made strong. uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 is a scripture reference for that. Are you allowing God to use your weakness? We often as people want to play to our strength. This is what I'm good at. This is what I can do. I'm strong at this area. And those are not bad things because God's given, given us that gifting. But if you're doing it within the comfort of what, you, what you're able to do, are you relying on God? Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him for extravagant, big, big, big things? He should be. That person at work who, who seems like there's no ways that God could ever reach them. Are we trusting God for them? The family member who is seems like they're so far gone; God wouldn't even be interested anymore. Are we trusting for them? The miracle that we that that the doctors have no idea; they have no clue what they can do. Are we trusting God for that? We should be, because then it's God; it's not us. That was my first key: was continually be with Jesus. The next one, I am going to step on your toes. Stepped on them earlier. I'm going to step on them again. Is mind what you are witnessing to? Witness is giving a testimony. You're giving a testimony or something. What are we witnessing to? The cross. Can I be honest? And I only saw this when I was preparing. The church has got hung up on the cross. Before you stone me, let me finish the thought. The church has got lost and got stuck at the cross of Jesus. I am no way diminishing or removing the value of the cross because it's important. Don't get me wrong. But we've got stuck there to Acts chapter 1 verses 22 so Judas Iscariot has killed himself and they need to replace him with another disciple or another apostle in the, the words they use and in their, in this what did they say here Acts chapter 1 verses 23 uh, 22 23 22 21 to 22 so it says so one who was uh, so one of the men who has accompanied us during the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out from among us. So, so they're saying we have like 120 odd people. Someone from these guys must, become, must come with us. And then they say, beginning from the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up, one of these men must become a witness with us to the resurrection. To the resurrection. The cross is hugely important. I'm not diminishing it. We should be witnessing to the resurrection. I'll explain why in a moment. Go to Acts chapter 4, verses 32. Acts chapter 4, 32. And it says, "And Now the number of those who believed were with one heart and one soul, and no one said that anything belonged to him that was his own, but they, all, but they had all things in common. And, the, and, great, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ the church grew because they continued to give witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ again in no ways removing the value of the cross because it is the starting point don't get me wrong but we cannot get stuck there if I can read this this it says it is at the cross that we find forgiveness and freedom, but it is in the resurrection that we find victory. It is at the cross that we find forgiveness and freedom, but it is in the resurrection that we find victory. Imagine Jesus on the cross says to Paul, says to John and his mom, he says to Mary, he says, "Mother, behold your son, son." Behold your mother. Imagine if John stayed at the cross physically. Wouldn't have a couple of the New Testament books, practical living, wouldn't have revelation knowing what's coming. Imagine if Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his moment of interacting with the cross, and he stayed there. Imagine. And even more so, imagine if Jesus stayed at the cross. We would not have victory. He would not be seated on the throne right now. The tomb would not be empty. Again, I am in no ways removing the value of the cross because that is our starting point. And we cannot forget that. We cannot deny the fact that it's because Jesus died on the cross that we have forgiveness. We cannot remove that. But may I say, as a church, if we stay at the cross, we walk in immaturity. Told you I'm going to step on your toes. We have to move on. Taking the, taking the cross with us, but not staying there with that revelation. We need a broader revelation of Jesus in His victory from the tomb. The fact that He has risen from the dead and He lives forever and ever, seated on the throne as both the lion and the lamb. And the final handle for making disciples. So let's recap. The first one was continually be with Jesus. People must know who we've been with him. Second one is what are we witnessing to? The third one is we should, each one of us, actively be. so let me rephrase it, each one of us should actively be looking for someone to disciple us and then looking To disciple someone else. Ephesians 5.21 says that we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we submit to one another, we allow God to do work through us in our growth. Where He can prune us as people come and challenge and speak into our lives. And we start to grow. And as we start to grow, and people continue to challenge us because we submitted to one one another out of reverence for Christ, we begin To bear fruit unto God. So my question is, who's discipling you? And who are you discipling? Remembering the full journey of discipleship. May I say, we should have faith for someone here. That we are continually be able to do this for someone in our discipling. We should have faith that we have the opportunity to do this at some point. We should have faith that we are able to walk a road with someone in our discipling of them here and here. And as Christians, we should make sure that someone's walking this road with us and we are submitted and we are growing and we are seeing him. In closing, maybe this morning you're here and you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you've had someone come and plant and you felt God do something, you've had someone come in water, and you felt something, but you're not sure. Maybe this morning is your call. This morning, Jesus wants to say, he died for us on the cross, that we can have salvation, and we can walk in victory. If you're here this morning, and you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, please don't go out without having chatted with someone, one of the leaders in the front, people praying afterwards. It's vital. So I take it to heaven, for lack of a better way of saying it.